peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to another episode of the Softly Performance Podcast. I am super excited today because one of my favorite people ever, Jamie Pop Christensen, is here. Hi. Softly athlete, amazing, strong woman, and also the owner of Ladylike as Fuck. Yes. It's AF. Okay, well, it's you know. A- Ladylike AF. It deserves its its true name on this explicit podcast. <laughs> Please and go on. The other voice you hear <laughs> is Chris Van Brink, Shh. whose title changes week oh, to week. No. Today it's going to be in office barista, and it is delicious. Yeah. So for those of you guys who don't know, actually, we can put this out as a a recipe to try this week because we are using Softleaf supplements. So for you guys who might be a little basic with your morning beverage, if <laughs> You see what I did there? I got you. I see uh, you. Take your take your normal coffee. Add whatever I I tend to go with honey and whole milk just because that's just what I like. Uh, but add the Colombian vanilla protein. Add a scoop of protein uh, in with your morning coffee. Put it in the shaker bottle with a little blender ball. Shake it all up. Try it. It is delicious. It actually is very tasty. And and not only that, but you're also getting protein in the morning which I guess is a good thing. We'll talk. We're going to be doing a lot of talking about, you know, well, to introduce today's podcast and back up, we're going to be talking about bro science, even though this is kind of like, a, this isn't a bro beverage, just adding protein. It's a pro- basic bro beverage. It kind of is. Protein, protein, protein all the time because I need gains. it. Hashtag gains. Um, With a Z. But today we are going to be talking about the bro science myths that have permeated fitness culture, which nonetheless, I will say, at least for my own life, has has shaped my fitness journey because I started, I think everyone starts in bro science until they migrate eventually over into actual science. And it's like bro science is the gateway of learning how to train because whenever you start training, whenever you get introduced to something, the first thing you do is you typically ask your friends or in my case, your bros and they give you their take on it. Or, you know, you're for me, I used to open up muscle and fitness magazine, critique myself in my mirror um, about how good I looked or didn't look and, and took every advice verbatim, do this, this and this. And then I look like this, do this for a, a 15 pack abs, <laughs> wait 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 how do i get those <laughs> how do i get a 15 pack you listen or you know it's like lego batman you have a 10th ab that's like right in the middle oh of your- god <laughs> lego batman lego batman has 10 abs um but these these myths kind of have permeated uh fitness culture and nonetheless i i mean there there is despite the fact that we're going to go through we're going to pick some popular ones and kind of debunk them for you i will start off by saying that they do have their place because you know, something, let's just put it this way. Something is always better than nothing, right? If, if the bro science knowledge that you're applying to training, like if you've done nothing in your life and now all of a sudden you're getting up and going to the gym for three hours, like, will you experience a change? Yes. Like you will notice things changing because you're applying a whole new level of stress to the system. Now we're not advocating that you go train for three hours a day, but 
nonetheless, there you will experience some sort of effect. Now, whether that effect is real or a placebo effect, it's still an effect, right? And and we'll even talk about we'll even address the placebo effect in training because I think it's you know when you, when we talk about the effects of working out or the effects of methods, uh, the placebo effect has a place in that there are there are these psychological gains when we think that something's actually happening when it's really nothing happening, but because you think there's something happening, something happens. So it is a real thing. It is a measurable thing that takes place in all studies, you know, whether it's FDA studies for, you know, a certain type of medicine, the placebo effects are real thing. So we'll get to that a little later, but to kind of kick this discussion off and, uh, we got, we got Jamie on here. Who's, you know, she's like a bro at, (laughs) (laughs) she's a savage. (laughs) Good Lord. Savage. Uh, Not sweet, a savage. Dude, I'm hardcore. <laughs> You're super hardcore. I'm so hardcore. Um, anyways, but the first one that I wanted to address, and one that has, especially coming out of the military, that has I have I have encountered at every stage as is the longer <laughs> the longer workouts are the best, right? So the more time I spend in the gym just burning it down the um <laughs> my god i'll stop I laughing i can't i can't do a podcast with these two ladies <laughs> um they're just for those of you guys who don't know i'm just being made fun of here um as we I'm really talking. should record these like they do at joe rogan's <laughs> podcast because people <laughs> totally would just probably just- be like what the fuck is going totally on just like, derailed my thought process with um <laughs> With a meme, where, where did you? That where was did, a beautiful. I don't know. It was a beautiful was, Photoshop. I don't even know. It was what a beautiful it was. rendition of it, Men's it, Health it, magazine. Oh my god! With your face on the cover. <sighs> Anyways, <laughs> moving back. I'm trying to get this train back on the track here. Uh, the bro science myth we are busting: the longer workouts are the best workouts because I would always come in contact with guys who you know we would go, we would wake up early in the morning, morning PT, six a.m. You know, and that would last for an hour and a half, and and then some guys would be like, "Well, I didn't get a good enough workout," and then I'm going to go to the gym because you technically didn't have to be at work till nine, so you did some sort of a morning PT session. Uh, then you went to the gym afterwards, and then more often than not, people would find themselves back at the gym when you know around the three o'clock, four o'clock time frame. And they do a second workout. So we get these two-a-days. And these two-a-day workouts, I mean, these guys, they would just do workouts all the time. Like rain, sun, shine, you know, day, night. It didn't matter. They just worked really, really hard. And and for some people, like I said, to not saying that working hard is a bad thing, but eventually what would happen more often than not is we saw two things with this sort of methodology. One, people would plateau and two, people would get injured. And depending on which one happened first, depending, you know, on kind of what it is they were doing, they, a lot of times people would do like cardio one time and then weightlifting in the afternoon or CrossFit in the afternoon and then, you know, or weightlifting in the morning and eventually, just the system just got overtaxed. And I know Brooke can speak about this from a nutrition standpoint, where you know eventually, what's going to happen once you get through of carbohydrates and fats, now you actually start burning amino acids and muscle tissue, and all that stuff starts to break down. So you're really actually working against your body at some point in time. 
depending on how you're taxing the search, how you're taxing the system. So the the myths that we're busting, what we'd like to say is that longer isn't better, better is better, targeted is better. Um, understanding that training, especially in, in not only Softlead is not the only you know group that does this, but periodized training programs regulate intensity across the board. So it's very common sometimes when people, their first exposure to a periodized training program, they, they're they like, well, I feel like I didn't do anything. Or I, I was I was very like underwhelmed by the amount of work that I had to do today. Or I didn't break a sweat today. Like the amount someone sweats is a metric of how hard they work, right? And that's being clear about what you're working towards and how you're periodizing your intensity is very important to outline up front so you can expect these things. And I think that if there is multiple avenues of fitness that you wanted to work, it's not that you can't train strength and conditioning or cardio and strength at the same time. It's that you have to be careful in how you blend those two training systems together and how well you can regulate that intensity. The The mantra that we would always profess in this regard is that you know you don't get bigger, stronger, faster when you work out. You get bigger, stronger, faster when you recover from working out. And if you're spending all this time in the gym, if you're doing these multiple workouts, you're keeping yourself in a sympathetic, aroused state that is not allowing your body to recover. Just because you're doing nothing doesn't mean that you're recovering. And I guess that's another, that's a little sub nugget to the bro science is that, you know, there there is a point in time where you know, your your lifestyle outside of the gym matters just as much, sometimes if not more, than what you do inside of the gym. You know, it's the... Like stress management, yeah, like sleep well, hygiene, like, like, stuff for like example, that, you mean? For those of you guys who, you know, everyone, everyone here wants a six-pack, right? I don't. Right. Is that weird? That's I, not a goal of mine? Well, but you're... Oh, never mind. Your girl. I, I don't know, though. Should that be your end? Like my end goal is not aesthetic. Well, okay. So pretend for a second. It might be a secondary product. It. I. I. We will. We can talk about the difference between performance and aesthetics because I think that is a good point that people need to bring up. But correct me if I'm wrong. But but six packs. You know the thing that we're like we all idolized. I know I did back in the day. But these six packs, like it starts in the kitchen. Right. It doesn't start by doing a million crunches every day. Well, think about how much time you spend eating, cooking in your kitchen versus actually training in the gym. It's well, a much bigger piece of your life. Yeah. Well, and the thing is too that I wanted to mention is like when people say they're doing two a days or they went to the gym and they were they went, you know, training for 3 hours and they're so amazing. Okay. Well, how much of that was on Instagram talking about how hard you were training? True. So, like where's the intensity, right? So you can you can do it two a day. You can be at the gym for 3 hours, but that is not any better than just putting some intensity and some purpose behind each and every movement, you know, regulating your rest times between sets. Um, and then making sure like your three hour workout now or your two a day, you could have gotten done in an hour and a half. Yeah. And then you can actually recover, True. which is what leads to the strength gains. And well, know. and that's, and you know, and actually that's a really good point because, you know, one thing that, I have noticed, and I think anyone who goes to a gym will notice, is that sometimes the reason why your guys' workouts take so damn long is you spend like 10 minutes doing, like just wandering around the gym, just like, what's up, bro? Check out my science. (laughs) I really like, um, I started doing basic Aries, and 
it tells you in between the set, rest here in between the superset at the very end, rest a minute. So I leave a clock on and I realized I'm much more efficient than yes. like checking my phone and just waiting till I think I'm ready. So I really like that. I've started incorporating that. And I think that helps me stay focused. Well, because the, the, the rest times in between your sets are tailored based on the intent of the workout, whether, you know, you're doing hypertrophy or volume or whatever, like, like we, we only allow certain amounts of rest for a reason. If you're finding a one rep max in whatever lift, you're going to be resting a lot more than if you're doing like some hypertrophy work. You know, if you want, if you want to produce a max effort lift, you know, that takes a significant amount of recovery time. You so have like, to be able to recharge. So right. Right, because there's 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 a tax on the musculature, and there's also a tax on the nervous system. Right, trying you to get, get you know lactic acid buildup. You have to let your your body be able to true. You know, so I guess if I get the the important the takeaway from all this is that for whoever's listening, depending on whatever workout program you are following, ask the question of rest times. Right, like like how long should I be resting in between these sets? Because a lot of times what happens is, you know, you increase the risk of injury if you mess up the time in between. Like if you're not giving yourself enough time to recover, you know, if, if, if you guys want to try this out, for example, try this out in the gym by yourself. You do a perfect air squat, right? Just a perfect air squat, no faults, no tucking of the pelvis, no knees caving and anything like that. And then try to do 15 or 20 air squats as fast as you can and see how long it takes for fatigue to set in where form starts to break down, right? Because what ends up happening is sometimes people kind of outrun their own headlights when it comes to their training and they try to burn it down and it actually works against you because, you know, it's nothing to say to do an air squat when you have no load on your back. But if you have just burned it down on squats and then you continue to hit the same system, you increase your chance of injury as your form starts to go away. So you have to... Like one. baby giraffe legs. Yeah, I mean, but it's it's something that you guys have to consider because I think the one thing that we would all like to see, especially at Softlate and the way we program, is we want to see longevity out of our athletes, right? And then and that's that is the if you don't have a goal and you join Softlate, we're we give you that goal by saying we want you to do this for as long as possible. And if you're spending four hours at the gym, whether you're whether you're resting 20 minutes in between every set, talking to your friends and posting on Instagram, or you really are actually just overtraining. No lie. Side note. Uh, we actually did have several people do, I think they did it for one whole cycle, but they did all the strength team and all the stamina team workouts every single day. Like they literally doubled up strength and stamina. It's a horrible idea. I, I don't know if one of them got injured or a couple of them got injured, but like, that is what we call overtraining. And for those of you guys who continue to follow the podcast to reference an older episode, we did, a, we had Kaylee. Episode 19. Yes, episode 19. We talked about overtraining and undereating. And that is probably the number one mistake that many people make. And is, usually they go hand in hand. Like if you're overtraining, correct. you're probably not, not doing well, proper intra workout nutrition. Right. And so you're undereating and underfueling, and it's just correct. a mess. Correct. Well, and that's so, one of the side effects of, of overtraining as well as, you know, hormonal impact. And one of the big side effects of that is loss of appetite. You're not hungry, right? If you're not hungry, you take a look at your training and see, you know, I know for me personally, a good rule of thumb that I follow is um, the higher the rep count, the less rest time I will take between sets. 
my lower the rep count typically indicates that the my the weight on the bar is higher. Right. So I'm going to take longer rest periods between those sets. Right. Yeah. And that's that's like I said, that's general. And and for those, you know, for sciencey ish, you know, most of the research that we found with working out usually takes place between 60 and 90 minutes is like your average training time. And that's for a day. 60 to 90 minutes a day, not 60 to 90 minutes in the morning, 60 to 90 minutes in the afternoon or in the evening, 60 to 90 minutes across the board. That's most people, again, provided you're not like at the Olympic Training Center trying to set, you know, world records, that that's different because your entire life is monitored at that point. But just, you know, if you're new to this, if you're just coming on 60 to 90 minutes and you should be good to go. So myth busted, myth busted. That's the first one. So longer is not better. Better is better. Targeted is better. So I love it. All right. I have a good nutrition one. Send it. I'm only anabolic for an hour post-workout. Your anabolic window. Anabolic windows. All right, Brooke. Bust it. (laughs) (laughs) I just love this one because I think it's such a funny concept to think that you can only have muscle growth and be anabolic for an hour post-workout. Definitely a myth. When people say they're anabolic, I guess defining the term, it just means that you're in a stage of growth. And, you know, you can actually be anabolic all day. So this whole hour window, they used to put a lot of importance on it. But what they realized is it's not really this tiny window. There's actually a much larger window post-workout of consuming food. And it's also kind of a window of diminishing returns. So for 24 to 48 hours, you're going to see effects of eating and training working together and you can be anabolic and see those. It's just a like a diminishing window of returns. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Isn't that mm, let me google to make sure I'm going to well, use let the me, right but term. Like, but let me ask you this. What about so okay, we talked about the so the anabolic window opens up after I work out, so I become like really receptive to nutrient intake and stuff like that. So I'm trying right. to shove my protein in. What about like eating if someone eats before they work out? Like, you should. You should be be going into your workout with some type of protein and carb already in you to help fuel that workout. And that's I think also one part of this myth is that you need to keep in mind protein and carb together manufacture muscle. It's not just protein, it's not just the can away, it's not your BCAs, it's the combination of protein and carbohydrates. And usually the two to one ratio, a general rule of thumb is best for that post-workout snack. And so, then you should be consuming a meal too after you've co- right. totally kind of come back down into your parasympathetic state. So, and that's again, for those people who are like, well, but carbs are bad. Well, that's a whole, that's a whole nother, <laughs> I didn't even put that on the list because you know me and I'll well, make that I mean, into and a we, whole podcast. Well, I mean, we've done, I was saying, like, we, if you guys, again, to reference pretty much every episode prior to this, just say the word keto and it just freaks work <laughs> out. But like, you know, we're not, we are not advocating, you know, we, we have the, the American diet industry has attacked pretty much every single macronutrient in some way, shape or form. Um, which, and like I said, the myth, the myth is that any one of them are bad at some you know, form. Fat is bad. Carbs are bad. I mean, everything, anything in excess. Anything in excess is, is bad. bad. Like I said, what we're talking about is that you guys need, if, if you didn't take away from that, you need protein and carbs together to build muscle. And that anabolic window is actually a lot longer than just right. that immediate 
And I, it, the combo makes a difference. And one of the things when I was looking up actual scientific research for the podcast that I came across um, is that leucine and insulin or leucine that comes from protein. It's a branch chain amino acid. It's an essential amino acid. You need it, but you actually get more benefit if you're getting it from food and or something like whey protein. If you're taking just a BCA, especially if you're an already trained athlete, you're not going to see the same benefit. So it also kind of busts a whole nother myth of like, oh, well, I need all these supplements. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, the first line is food. Supplements, like Jamie said earlier, supplement the diet, right? Yeah. So I think that's another important thing to point out is that you should be to really get the effects. It's actually better to have food, not some type of supplement. Like you don't need to go take a leucine peel pill to increase that growth hormone, promote that muscle protein synthesis. It's actually better to have it from food. Yeah. So I've never, I can't say never, not once, maybe in the very beginning stages when I first started training, those BCAAs, I have to take them. Otherwise, you're never going to grow muscle. You have to take them. Bro science. It was clickbait, right? Yeah. And it worked because I bought some and I took them. And then me, I squirreled and never remembered to take them. And now for the past three years. They're just sitting there. <laughs> I've never taken BCAAs. Yeah. They're, well, they're what's overrated. They will provide energy during a workout. Sure. So I think for people who do choose this intermittent fasting lifestyle or this keto lifestyle, there could be some benefit to having like BCAs while you work out. Like if you're choosing not to ingest food before you work out, BCAs can provide energy. So well, I guess I, that but would probably, but you're supplementing. Right. I'm not that would saying, be my only thing. I yeah. think that I would think they're you to me, if you're going to use them, that's the only thing I would use them for is doing like fasted. Right. Things. That's the only thing I can. Well, that really makes sense of. because you still have to fuel. Yeah. You know, but to eat and then also feel like you need them. I mean, unless you're deficient, because again, nutrition is not where it should be. Yeah, that's the other thing is, I don't know, um, man. I, I think just, it's the marketing, like you said, yeah. because if people just realize you act, you get all these amino acids from food, mm-hmm. like, it's nothing special. This isn't something brand new. Like this is literally something you get from protein. Yeah, well, like I said, I I think that it's it's. Yeah, like I said, there's an entire industry that's focused around it, and and I think like maybe, and this is this is purely purely hypothetical, but like I wonder if the myth gets perpetuated because companies are trying to get people to use their product. Period. Because like for well, example, you're more yes. likely to use the like if you're if who you're puts in out a, the ads. Yeah, but if like if you're in a gym, right, and like fitness is on your mind, obviously because you're there, right? So you get like bombarded with these images of like shaker bottles and protein and supplements and people with like really defined bodies, right? I had a rage blackout about this on our last (laughs) episode we recorded. I really did. I like blacked out. I was so angry going off on a rant and Christian and Chris are like, but like, whoa, but like follow me here for a second, right? Like (laughs) the it's, it's like the anabolic, they tell you, you have to do it right away. Because that's the most likely time you're going to do it. Because when once you get home, your focus is already like shifted away from fitness, right? So like once you walk back into your home, now it's about like the things I have to do today or family or like my to-do list or whatever it is. But your focus is now moved away from fitness, and which, which makes you less likely to use... To consume their product. Exactly, yeah. right? So it's like if... So companies perpetuate this myth because... 
they're telling you that like, oh, you need to do it right away because if you don't do it now, you're not going to do it later. So it's like, so I don't know. That's like, I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I'm like, but if you want to look at the time when someone is most likely to use a fitness product, it's going to be before they've left the gym because what else is also in gyms? Smoothie bars because it's there, right? It's near the entrance of the gym because they know that once you walk out that door, now you are less likely to consume that product. And and like I said, and we've we have talked about this in multiple episodes that the diet industry and the food industry understand these are these are multi-billion dollar businesses that perpetuate ideas that, you know, some pseudoscience i i understand or if why. there's like if there's one study with eight people and they're like this positive effect of our supplement i'm like that you funded that you paid for that you oversaw with eight people i'm not right. impressed show well, me well, more with science all, well, like I said, with all the keto studies done with one target group of people in mind elite ultra endurance people most people in the world are not elite ultra endurance who will benefit from the fat adaptation that you get from being in a state of ketosis you know, so unless you find yourself running, you know, ultra marathons on the regular, which 99.99% of the people don't, you know, you can't put out like, and that's, and that's the thing we always would advocate for all of you guys listening, do your own research because, and, and not when you look at fitness studies, don't just look at the study itself. Look at the people that were used in the study and don't just, don't just, that's what drives me nuts. So I, so before I do like to destroy a lot of fad diets, but I actually read about them before I just go off the handle. And with keto, even with ultra endurance athletes, what they find is, and you're going to probably end up finding this for a lot of these little niche diets and eating patterns, only certain people where it really vibes with their genetics are going to see that benefit. So I still like, okay, you showed me one study that had a significant change, but there's still a ton of other studies that are telling me there's not. I'm not going to take that at face value. Like I'm just not going to believe that. There needs to be a body of evidence. And I'm not saying Wikipedia. I'm not saying online blogs or T Nation or some shit. Okay, like health journals. And, like literally yeah. go to like PubMed and like look up actual Google articles. Google Scholar and look at, yeah, you know. Even Google Scholar. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I feel like what happens is companies will look at a study done that is scientifically backed and it's, you know, conclusive and, and they do show with in-depth research like you know epoch so they they look at you know you've got this time frame after you train where all of these adaptations are occurring we need to capitalize that and we need to inject all of these supplements during that time because it's scientifically backed right okay that is a thing however how much more beneficial is it when you consume these supplements during that time as to just eat food Right. Right. I so, totally agree. Well, and that's, but all right, we're kind of like, I guess maybe this point is, is, is relevant, but you know, the idea of a supplement, right. Is that I'm not obtaining the adequate nutrition from my diet or my lifestyle is so extreme to the point where normal, you can't nutrition can't provide my needs. Therefore I need to supplement now. Yeah. I want to lead this into our next one too, when you're done. Well, do you want to do it? Do you want to? Let's do, do it. Because I feel like you can use this to make your point. All right, so this ahead. is one I was recently asked. Um, I need creatine to build muscle. Hell yeah. 
No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, okay, so true, actually, no, true story. That's actually pretty funny. The first supplement I ever tried was creatine. Like creatine I, monohydrate yep, powder. Yep, or like yep. <laughs> and, I, and I actually, and I remember <laughs> it was, oh God, man, this is, so actually, so true story about me, for those of you guys who didn't know, when I was 16 years old, the first place I ever drove, when, once I got my car, was to the gym. I brought my dad's car and I drove to the gym. I had a black cutoff t-shirt on with warm-up pants. So much makes sense do you remember, right now. Do you remember the snap-up warm-up pants? Oh, like yeah, I do. Together? You can rip those you know, bitches the, off. The tearaways. Like you're Did like, you like, leave psh. the bottom button undone so no. that your pants would lie smoothly I, no, no, over no, 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 your no, no, shoe? No, 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 I was from California, so I left the bottom button buckled and the one above that unbuckled so it like folded over. That was the cool way to wear it. Was it the cool way? Or was that just what you thought? <laughs> that was the way I was. <laughs> that was I the know. way I always thought. All right. I don't think that anything about that was everyone. Cool. Everyone, direct message Brooke, who's listening to this podcast, with how you wore your tearaways back in the day. I'm gonna make this a poll. <laughs> We're gonna make this a poll after you, this podcast. I need to know. If you left, you either what you are on one of three ways. You either a kept all the buttons buttoned, b you unbuttoned the last button. And everyone, anything above that was buttoned, or you left the bottom button buttoned and the one above that unbuttoned, which is what I did. Literally, so, nobody else did that. I'm, <laughs> I'm willing to bet there is someone out there in the universe right now that has left that wore them my way because Aside I, I saw you? that shit. And you guys just. You, you probably read in Muscle and Fitness, it makes you anabolic listen. to undo the set second <laughs> my, button. Dude, my ankles are just so jacked. I listen, can't button that one. You bet you, <laughs> you, you don't understand. You former Puka Shell Frosted Tip motherfuckers out there better <laughs> don't come leave, back your boy up. Don't, when leave, we do this don't poll. leave me hanging. <laughs> you Nobody all know, did that. You all know who you are. You're just Lord have mercy. You're just ashamed to admit it. Anyways, I'm sorry. I was totally back deviated. to your creatine monohydrate. Creatine monohydrate. I need creatine monohydrate. I felt like as a 16 year old kid, who's trying to make it you know what the problem was with me was when I saw people take creatine, everyone you knew they took creatine because they walked around with like two gallons of water, one pink one and one water that they carried around. And you were like, I want to take steroids like that guy. And you're just like, you're just like, man, like, all right. So now no, there's my gal. Oh man. Now I need a gallon of water. Shit. I was like, I can't even drink it. I was like, I remember trying to sit at my dinner table, trying to fucking drink a gallon. And those are really heavy. They're like eight yeah, pounds. Yeah, it's so inconvenient. <laughs> I would see that shit all the time because like people would be walking around with their gallon of water and be like, oh man, what supplement are you taking? I'm like, bro, I'm taking creatine. Yeah, he's on that I, creatine, bro. Because like everyone was like, oh man, what was that? What did we all used to say to each other? It was like, yeah, man, like it like draws water into your muscles and like you just like you're not really strong. But you, they just look bigger. I well, that's that, true. It, it does hold true. water. That's it like does where the water it's in. like monohydrate. Do you like, want to know what I literally just wrote down in my notepad right there? <laughs> what did I write down? Water. Well, but like, what the point was, I guess that I'm sorry. The point that I was trying to make was that it, we took it because it made our muscles look bigger. We didn't get actually stronger from it. Okay, so, so here's where this, this like Mythbuster thing comes in, right? Everyone like thinks that creatine is going to make you bigger and make your muscles bigger. Creatine is actually one of the most researched supplements, like mm -hmm. without a doubt, actually researched and proven how it works, yeah. right? But what creatine actually does is it can significantly increase your strength and power, which can then translate, like the secondary might be that you're building mass, right? But actually what creatine does is it's used for creatine phosphate energy 
in the system than used to increase your strength and power output. Again, though, this isn't something you necessarily need. Your body actually produces it. You get it from food. So this is something that's already around. You don't need to take a creatine supplement to have creatine phosphate in the system for energy. Like your body already does this. Well, needless to say, I think what ended up happening and the reason why everyone stopped taking creatine was because, so I played football back in the day. I know it was shocking to a lot of people. But I'm sorry. I, thought probably, <laughs> I, I get the looks like everyone probably assumed that I had other activities. I was just picturing your starter <laughs> pants and your cleats. I just... <laughs> Bike ride. I'm back. Um, no, so I the reason why everyone stopped taking creatine, I remember distinctly because so we would we used to do two a days getting ready for football season. And for those of you guys who lived in the Sacramento Valley in California, you'd realize it gets hot as balls in the Sacramento Valley, especially in the summertime. So people would sh- like we would sweat like it was it was so hard and we would get like this you know, hyponitremia because we would literally like drink so much water. We would flush, flush everything yeah. out because we felt like, which is kind of, that's very dangerous. Well, I know. As dangerous as dehydration. Well, I know like because it was stroke. like, we felt yeah. like yeah. we had to take in so much water because of the creatine we were taking. So we would just drink water and water and water and water. And it was just, it, people were like falling over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah, not good. It was not good. So anyways, but you live and you learn. Right. So we live in New So that's, I don't know. It's my little anecdote with creatine. So I think we busted that myth. You do not need creatine to build muscle. Yes. Yes. So the, but I guess to, to dovetail into my next point, is there, was there any other point that you wanted to make Jamie? No, I'm okay. Is there any joke that you wanted to make I'm about, good. about me going to an all boys high school? There's so many <laughs> that I have, but I w- I'm going to need to space them out appropriately. <laughs> Whatever, guys. For those of you, actually, oh man, oh shit, I, I can't. I'm not gonna say it. Never mind. You gotta say now it. You now you have to. You can't That's do that. You I can't. just want you. Okay, I'm gonna put it out there in the multiverse one time by saying Brooke was the one who made the celibate saltine Instagram. <laughs> it is not mine. And if you look on that, that is my actual high school picture. So if you want to look what the creatine using Chris used to look like. That is the. Sorry, <laughs> this was like a like joke. <laughs> this was like a joke that went horribly joke. wrong. I can't figure out how to delete it. You need to like basically <laughs> call the head of Facebook to delete an Instagram now. Oh my god! But if you go to at the celibate saltine, which is really appropriate for his his current life situation, it is the meat bat of saltine HQ. Hashtag meat bat. Sorry, I'm not sorry. Oh my god! And, I'm uh, never gonna live this one down. There's a, you have eight followers i have eight followers you have eight but that's his real high school that photo. that is my real high school photo which you know we should do every photo we take one. of him oh my god just Brooke, give me access to this page because oh, every photo that he posts i'm going to photoshop frosted tips oh from now on. yes you know <laughs> we are moving on Chris with this VB pod- parody stop account stop it we are moving on with this podcast I have to buy my dignity. Plot back later. twist: He actually runs it. <laughs> I do not. I do not run that. If you want to DM me, I don't. I'm not on Instagram. You just if you DM anyone, you're going to be DMing Brooke. Do not and start DMing me weird. I know that you attract <laughs> the thirst. Do not start DMing me weird stuff. I repeat, Good. I don't want to see maybe, it. Maybe maybe that will be incentive for you to delete this account or figure out how to do it. Anyways, moving on with our myth busting that we're doing, along with busting laughing at Chris. Um, 
this is ridiculous. We can't even focus. All right. <laughs> go heavy all the time or go home. That is the myth that I would like to address next because that is another one all back in the creatine days that we always used to live by was that like every day I needed to find a one rep max and I needed to be lifting maximally all the time every time. Well, and if I, you didn't, yeah, I totally benched a hundred pounds last week. I should be able to bench one ten at least this week for yeah. sure. Well, man, there's a lot to be said about that. Um, so anyways, I, to address this one, I guess I want to, I want to first, for those of you guys, that, depending on where you're at in your fitness journey, um, you guys need to understand, especially if you're starting off, right? Cause I feel like these, these myths are probably the most dangerous for beginners. And I think that's across the board, whether that's a nutrition myth or a training myth. If you overtrain under eat, if you like screw this up, you're, you're most prone to injury when you're first starting out. And, and the reason why this I'm tying this in with this myth in particular is that there are two things that happen when you lift, when you, when you start, like, for example, if you're in a CrossFit gym and, and you see this with CrossFit a lot is you learn these very, very technical movements, right? We got the snatch and the clean and jerk like that. There's an entire Olympic sport built around the snatch and the clean and jerk. There's an entire sport built around the back squat, bench press and the deadlift. Like, and, and you do, you know, multi hundreds of repetitions of these all the time. And, and you have to understand there's two things that happen when you lift, especially when you're learning something technical. There's a, there's a neural adaptation and then there's a structural adaptation. The neural adaptation is your body learning how to do the movement, right? Just with a, with a PVC pipe snatching, you're getting a neural adaptation for that. It might not feel like you're doing anything because you're not really lifting anything, but you're getting an adaptation that at least teaches your body how to get into the right position in order to absorb. You're building load. the highway for the nervous system to send the signals for the body to Correct. move in the appropriate way. Correct. You are you are literally, if you want to look at it, I, I like to use the analogy, the the light switch analogy, right? You have to turn the light switches on in sequence. And if you miss one or two light switches, chances are like in order to continue forward, you have to go back and turn them on and then go continue moving forward. So, and if you mess that up with hundreds of pounds, now you're talking about injury or right? failure or failure. And, and so, so to maximize success, if, if lifting heavy, there are methods out there, you know, Jim Wendler was five through one conjugate method out there. There, there are programs out there designed to show you how to lift heavy a lot. Um, but the underlying assumption is that you know how to do the lifts first before you adopt these types of methodologies. Right. So and not only that, but just because conjugate is the way that I, I personally train, when we max out, we do max out every week. However, the variables are incredibly different so that the movement pattern in what we, the stress that we are placing on the body is different every week. I'm not maxing a bench press every week. I might be hitting a two rep max. I might be benching to boards. I might have bands or chains. The variable is changing. So the stress on the body changes. So yes, I'm putting forth maximal effort, but it is different. Right. You know? Yes. And that's, and like I said, so we're not, because the, the, the myth is that 
like the one rep max is the end all be all. And and understand, yes, in a competition, people are judging essentially that. Like what is what is the most amount of effort, what is the most amount of weight that I can move on a barbell, right? That's how records are set, and I get that. But understand records are also set by people who've been doing something for a very long time. Unless you're competing, in my opinion, there's no need to find a true one rep max. Correct. I would wholeheartedly agree with that because the the intersection of the neural and structural adaptation really it doesn't happen at maximal loads and and there's a good body of research out there that suggests that most of your work you know the 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 sweet spot if you will takes place within the 70 to 75 maybe tailoring towards the 80% range that range is heavy enough that it reinforces the use of proper technique, but it doesn't like overly tax the system both neurally and structurally that runs the high risk of injury. So, and and you get, when it comes back to our training methodology and philosophy of being able to do this for a long amount of time, you know, those maximal loads placed on the system are gonna eventually degrade your ability to do more work, right? You can do more work at a moderate weight than you can at a super heavy weight. And again, and, and and to also, you know, that's not saying that one rep maxes and those things don't have a place in training. They do. You know, if you follow softly programming, like a lot of people you notice, like there, it follows this particular trend. You know, there's a, there's a ramp up, there's a deload, and then there's a retest, right? So it's like, we're not, we might test something at the beginning, but we're not going to touch that maximal load until you know, six, eight weeks down the road when we retest it, right? We're going to work in this sweet spot. You know, when um, there's several podcasts ago, we talked about this idea of like the zone two or, you know, we taught, we use the RPE scale, the relative perceived effort scale um, to try to tailor workout intensities for people. Because a lot of times people are like, oh, I got to go super hard all the time. And then they burn out or then they get injured or like they don't understand when to put forth maximal effort. And, it, and it's hard when you live in a fitness culture that, you know, perpetuates this idea that like, well, the more I sweat, the harder I worked. Or, man, like if I'm not like destroyed at the end of this workout that I didn't work so hard. Again, like we're, we're breaking ourselves of that habit and we're not looking at life that way. We want you to understand that that intensities and volume and percentages all have a purpose. And for beginners, and even like, I, I sometimes think that, you know, a lot of people don't really understand just how long you're a beginner in the weightlifting and or Olympic lifting and or even CrossFit worlds, right? Like, like you are a beginner for years, right? Like it takes a long time to even like come out of this beginner phase. Like it's not... You know, this is not something that like, oh, yeah, I've been like doing it for like six months. And, you know, that, like you're still a beginner. I feel like until you get to the point where your PRs, the, the time between your PRs that you set are measured in years, you're still a beginner. Right. There comes a point where you will train all year to add five pounds to the bar. Absolutely. You are no longer you know, a beginner. And that's, <laughs> well, and that's the thing, right? You look, you look at the best in the world, right? And when you look at our Olympic athletes... You know, it takes that four-year macro cycle to add a couple of pounds to their lift. You know, we're not making these big jumps anymore. And, you know, I know a lot of people, like, you know, they get super butthurt about, you know, well, I'm plateauing. 
And I'm like, I've been doing this for four months. And now I have to change. Like, And even for you guys, not to call out all the people who follow softly programming, but dang it, you guys do this shit too. Like, <laughs> it's not like... Uh-oh, dad's mad. It's not, it's not dad's mad. <laughs> you know, you can't, like, if you feel like you've plateaued, right? The, this mythical plateau, believe it or not, has less to do with the program that you're following and more to do with the way in which you're following the program, right? The first question I ask people, especially when they come to me and like, oh, I'm, I'm not experiencing any more gains or this isn't <laughs> like working anymore. Accent. I'm like, okay. Like, but what are you measuring that by, too? Well, because I right. think and that's it, a lot of it has. You're right, and and I'll, I'll get to that too. Because I mean, that's that's a very valid point. Is the metrics that we're applying to judge success? You know, when we take a holistic approach to training, we take a holistic approach to success. So it's not just how much weight is on the barbell. Are you sleeping better? Are you feeling better? Are you moving better? Are you less injured? Um, you know, and and all these things have to be taken into account because if you pigeonhole yourself into thinking that the only thing that matters is my one rep max, then you are essentially limiting your success. First off, if you are a beginner, right? And we talked about, you know, the point that Jamie made about, you know, being a beginner, you're basically a beginner until like it takes you many, you know, a, a very good amount of time to set new PRs. Don't worry about your one rep max. Like that's not where we that's not where you should be putting your emphasis on, especially if you do our programming or CrossFit, for example, where there is such an emphasis on technicality and form. Like chant like and to even kind of to hint at my next point that has everything to do with mobility, you can only express your strength in positions that you can get in, period. Right. So if you if you have trouble overhead squatting and you've plateaued in your snatch, well, there's probably an issue with you remaining active or being able to generate power in a certain yeah. position. Mobility and, and technique, I think, yeah, start limiting and people. Exactly. And and you be you don't become limited by your strength, you become limited by the positions you're trying to get in to express your strength. So and then people Preach. like and people yeah well I mean people will blame Preach. the program I'm like it's not the program it's not the program it's you quit it's, being an it's, asshole it's you and, and and it's not saying that like you know I love you it. you Sorry. are bad <laughs> but like you have to understand what the limiting factor actually is right and the limiting factor sometimes is not you know the workload it is your approach to the workload and that can also be people who you know they're starting to live a life outside of the gym that doesn't support their training inside of the gym. And because, because you know, to put this in perspective for you, to use Jamie's analogy of, you know, having it take years to set PRs, think about the Olympic athletes who live at the Olympic Training Center all year round to make those kinds of gains. Like every day, every minute of their life is monitored, their sleep, they have a full staff of individuals who are all there to like cater to their needs you know, nutritionists day in and day out that are making all of their meals that are tracking their macros. Like they have like, PTs and yeah, they have like bo- it you is know, body work specialists. Like it is a full time job to set those kinds of records because that's what it takes to perform at that level. Most people are not at that level, but they think in their minds that like <laughs> they can be at that level. Like, no, like don't don't become disillusioned that you know you're believing that you can do these types of things without that type of support because the back I call it like the backside of support or the backside support is the term we use in the military 
But that becomes infinitely more important the more you get down this road. And that usually becomes the limiting factor for people, you know, and... Weekly mobility sessions, chiropractic care. Yeah, I mean, like because I mean because you are you are massage therapy. My new favorite thing now. You're what? Massage therapy. Oh. We have D come to the office. She's oh. awesome. Do, yeah. Doesn't a massage therapist come to everyone's office and do weekly massages? I had a uh, body tempering done <laughs> last weekend. What's that? Body tempering. T- yeah. So they're basically these milled stainless steel pipes well that's not even logs i should Mm -hmm. say right they're milled down so there's like the ex-wife um i believe that kabuki strength is who makes them genius um they weigh anywhere from 60 pounds to like 300 pounds they're just solid milled and so what the technician will do is it's like a, a foam roller but on steroids, oh, right? No. So a they steel roll foam roller. Yeah, but okay. so you lay down in your hips, and you know your body is supported to be in the most ideal and safe anatomical position. Okay. To receive these kind of loads, right? But then they roll like this 180 pound foam roller over your back, right? And it's just like it's like uh, kneading bread. Wow. But it's for your muscle, right? Or they'll have like the pain pill, which is smaller a little bit more easily maneuverable but then they'll flip it and they'll like be able to dig in two rhomboids and erectors and traps and all these thick dense muscles right to just break all of it apart do you feel like you got beat up after your after that it sounds like it would be painful it is well yes and no so it is incredibly painful in the moment but just like a deep tissue massage is right you do feel sore afterwards because i mean you're being manipulated it it is going to be tender afterwards however oh man it is so good but that's the kind of stuff that you have to start getting into when you advance when you're trying to move beyond the beginner stage your body requires more maintenance just like Mm -hmm. a car would you know like the more you drive the car the more maintenance you need to do you have to rotate tires and change oils and do whatever but i feel like it also there's something to be said too about people (laughs) people thinking that they need all that when they first start, right? Because it's like... It you, wouldn't be a bad habit to get well, into from the beginning. it's not. But like, I'm also like, I I don't know. I'm also kind of under the mindset. And I, and I see this a lot when I coach CrossFit that, you know, CrossFit has, you know, the, the old Lance Armstrong book that it's like, you know, it's not about the bike, right? But CrossFit has become this thing. And, and I guess I see it more in CrossFit than anywhere else. And it's not that other forms of fitness methodology are exempt from this. But... It's it's kind of like become about the gear. Where I it's don't like, feel like body work is is well, on the I, same I'll, level. I'll, I'll make the I'll, I'll bring it all back together. Like, okay. So so people think that they need and I and I I would venture to say that that probably this is one of the reasons that draws people away from that community is they look at the people who do this and they're like oh man like I need all of this stuff just to start. Right, like talking about everyone needs a pink rogue barbell. Well, it's like I need. Well, I need the weightlifting shoes. I need the. I need the weight belt. I need need a shirt with this logo on it. Yeah, I need a wrist strap. I need knee sleeves. I got to hire a fucking physical therapist. I got to like. I need all this stuff just to get started. No, no. And there's and but but what people don't do is people miss the the part where you actually do the work. Well, yeah, or or they just (laughs) they miss the fact that there's this whole beginner phase, and it and it's very like I said, it's very not sexy. And, you know, it's not sexy to go into a gym and lift with just a PVC pipe or an empty barbell or, you know, back in like the, you know, I know the, the Tommy Konos of the days are gone, but like, you know, back in the days where everyone lifted in Chuck Taylors 
and well, not weightlifting You know what shoes. Louis Simmons said, right? No. Don't have $200 shoes and a two-cent squat. Exactly. But, <laughs> I but, but I think there's something to be said about that, right? So yeah. it's like, you know, we're not saying, I'm not saying that physical therapy is bad. Physical therapy is wonderful. And as you progress in your training, like these are going to, the point that we're trying to make is these are going to become necessary tools that will allow you, you know, make these small micro adjustments that will allow you to lift a little bit more and a little bit more down the road. But most people aren't at that level yet. You might think you're at that level when you walk into a gym and you buy all your shit from Rogue Fitness. It's a good point. You know, what I find a lot, you know, adminning a couple of fitness pages, people say, you know, I can't hit depth on my squats. And the first thing I see recommended, go buy Ole shoes. Right. Okay, well, hold on. And I, I maybe let's that, figure out why you can't hit depth on your squat. Is it your stance? Is it your bar placement? Is it actually your upper back that needs work? Is it hip mobility? Is it right. uh, calves? Is it feet? Like, let's break it down. Because here's the thing if all of those other light switches, as you say, are turned on and you're still having issues, okay, yeah, maybe a little bit of a heel lift will help. Right. They make them for a reason, but figure out where you're breaking down before we just stick a Band-Aid on it. Well, and I feel like, but that, and you know, maybe we just discovered another bro science myth that you need a whole bunch of shit. <laughs> and I think people perceive this as a barrier to entry. You really don't need anything except your body and maybe some Rocky, athletic shoes. Rocky, Rocky Balboa had like, frozen meat on a hook. That's right. Meat, and well, he was a winner. Exactly. See? Like he you don't need all this crap. Like you can you can use it and collect it along the way through your journey as you need it and you know, actually need to use things. But or if you're competing in your sport specific yeah. and you find that, you know, something aids a little bit better or you start needing some gear or whatever it is. But if you're just doing this because, you know, it aids elk hunting or it aids some other part of your life that you need to be more fit for. Sure. Just go in there and well, do and work. I, and I feel like, but that's also true, especially on the nutrition side is that, you know, you like people feel like they have to do all these like crazy they overthink fun. it. Yeah. They <sighs> really do. Or like they need, they need it. They need all the supplements. Like at the end of the day, it's very simple, not glamorous. There is no magic pill. It's consistency about the way you compromise your diet. Like, eating mostly whole foods just not to be confused don't with the grocery eat store, like an like, asshole don't eat a bunch of processed yeah. crap if it's you're trying simple. if you're trying to change your composition 90 percent of your diet should be good right if you're trying to stay where you are 80 percent of your diet should be good if you don't give a fuck then do whatever you want and it's irrelevant to this conversation but <laughs> well that that's another myth that i keep hearing is that sugar is horrible and you shouldn't have it. And people take this to an extreme, like no fruit, no this, no that. So that's one of my biggest bro science pet peeves and that people have. And I think that I might fall into this because I don't, I don't like sugar. Well, for me personally, here's the thing though. I think everyone responds to it differently. You know what? (laughs) (laughs) But see, every now and then it's fine. And that's the point I want to make is that if you're an active person, there is absolutely a place for sugar in the diet. And everyone's scared of this word. And what people should be more mindful of is added sugar, which is now on labels. And I'm super excited about that feat. Mm -hmm. You can see what is naturally occurring sugar. And then it says added sugar. And you can see the just pure sugar they've added into a food. So I would, you know, absolutely look for that on labels. But to totally avoid all sugar, I think is a little insane because there's benefit to fruit. If you're an active person, there's absolutely a benefit to consuming sugar. We've just talked about the two to one ratio post-workout 
and throughout the day and how it can be anabolic. I suppose, yeah. Like the added sugar part is important. Yeah. Because I definitely... But that goes along with if you're eating mostly real food, you don't need... (laughs) If you're eating mostly real food and not processed food, you're probably fine (gasps) on your sugar. Word. When I track and I'm following everything that Brooke tells me I need to be following, I'm at like, what, less than 40 grams a day. But I find for me personally, if I consume uh, like a considerable amount more than that, even um, maybe over 70 or 80, my aesthetic changes. I You're hold. very in tune with your body too. It's great. I wish people paid more attention to that. It's just consistency. You, you, people, they, they jump on some idea, some plan, right? And they give it a week. And they're like, this isn't working. I'm trying something else. Or they'll give it a month. This isn't working. I'm trying something else. And they try something else. And then, you know, the, the cycle repeats itself. If you're not consistent and you make one small change, I would in nutritionally 300 calories at a time, no more than that, then you can say, okay, that that is what I needed. That worked. But if you change a bunch of stuff at the same time, you never really know what, what was working and what didn't. Absolutely. So stay on the same plan long enough to develop a solid base. And then you can pinpoint and change small things. And then you can know exactly if that's going to work or not. You know what I'm saying? I think people are so deterred by hearing that because they want some type of quick fix. And, in the, and it's like, realistically, this is a consistent long-term thing like that you need to think about is like taking care of my body long-term consistently and figuring out and fine-tuning that process well and that's but you know in this in keeping within the realm of bro science like that's the one thing that all bro science is really focused on six minute abs it's exactly right like like the supplements that claim to like do everything immediately or you know like the anything that professes a shortcut to the old like just hard work and being disciplined like like there's bro science there you know it's and clickbait it's fitness it is. and clickbait. i'm not saying that like i i i am very much under the mindset however and to caveat all that that like i i think there are there is a place for sports nutrition and supplements in this world because i think you know if you you know, if you looked at the trends within the sport community, you know, like human evolution hasn't changed much within the last hundred years. But when you look at the records that are being set by some of the best people in the world, like, you know, to use the David Epstein example from the sports gene about the 1904 gold medalist versus the 2004 gold medalist in the marathon, you know, the 2004 gold medalist in the marathon would beat the 1904 gold medalist in the marathon by over an hour and a half. Right now, human evolution hasn't changed to the point where humans suddenly become these super runners. We've always been naturally built for running when you look at human anatomy, but but a lot has changed in the last hundred years when it's come to sports nutrition, dieting, supplementation, and training methodology that has caused human beings to do these new like evolve, ma- yeah, these do like these new maximal effort feats. So. So that's not to say that supplements and things like that don't have a place, but what we're trying to get you to understand is that, you know, the the place that it claims is being is is being perpetuated by an industry that is trying to sell something. And like that perpetuation of bro science, it perpetuates the need for something else, right? And and if you're just starting out 
And if you're and if you're new to this world, like I said, that's not quite for you. You know, like I'm not saying that you you're gonna make everyone here in this room talking on this podcast right now has made training mistakes. That's why we are where we are. So we're not advocating like if there's something that you want to experiment with, experiment with it. Like I I'm I'm a I'm a proponent of you know, knowledgeable experimentation. If there's a methodology that's out there that's like, eh, there's some research that supports it, there's some research against it, you know, my friends have tried it. Like, I'm not saying friends aren't a valuable source of information. Like, I'll bounce ideas off of people all the time. I would also bounce ideas off the people who know something or have been around for a little while longer. Um, but on that same vein, like, we do encourage you to try something and, and to find out what works for you because I think no matter what, whether it's a whether it's a diet plan or nutrition or whether it's a training program that claims to do X, Y, and Z, you know, there's a one size that fits most. But if you really wanted the best case scenario, like, yeah, there is an individual solution for you that is best suited for you. So, you know, when it comes to being in tune with your body and, you know, seeing how you respond to certain types of training, by all means experiment right like you live once like be see consistent with yeah it. be consistent you know but but nonetheless like i don't know yeah i think that's my big thing is especially with diet i do think it's harmful to be bouncing around from fad diet to fad diet and not sticking and being consistent like you really can mess up your metabolism and your hormones and everything else refer back to episode 19 uh so i you know i really do think Sure, a lot of the bro science stuff, it might not hurt you. At best, you're wasting your time and money. But I just really wish people would, <laughs> if you're going to try some of these things, like when it comes to the diet portion, like be consistent. But then again, we waste our money on a lot of dumb shit that we really don't Yeah, it's just, I, where do you want to throw your money at? I, I do not. <laughs> I do not. Whatever. Everything I buy is... 100% necessary. Fiscally responsible. <laughs> just ask my husband. Anyways, well, with that, guys, I mean, we've talked about a lot. We're just about right at that time. If you guys are all still tuning in, we haven't bored you to tears yet, which hopefully we didn't. Hopefully we got some good nuggets out of this one. I think I think we have enough content here probably that we didn't talk about enough to do a number, a number two on this. Yeah, we didn't a, get to a We lot. only covered, well, I only covered half of my points mm-hmm. that I had written down pre-show. So... So stay tuned, guys. I think we will definitely do a part two of this episode. Uh, maybe bring some bros on that we all know. <laughs> Let's just go to the local commercial gym and <laughs> grab a few. Yeah, actually, you know we what? We should. Be like, you guys actually, want to do a podcast? Let's just do it. We need actually, to find the most bro bro of them all. People thought that was me for one point in time, but I'm glad to say that that is not me. I don't know, man. The poll is still out on the starter <laughs> pants. <laughs> the poll is... Th- they're called tearaways. <laughs> they're called tearaways. <laughs> Um, right? They were, they were called tearaways. I don't know. All right, all right. You guys all know the pants with the buttons down the side of them. I'm pretty sure they're called tearaways. Anyways, with that, did you have pleats in your jeans you too? Guys nail me. Stop. <laughs> My jeans were faded. We need to make a Chris VB starter pack meme. <laughs> Comes to you with. Did you have Doc Martens? Box bleach. Okay, you know First what? tips. Forget, forget, guys. All right. <laughs> we are. Thank you so much for listening today and for staying tuned in. <laughs> we hope you Abercrombie. guys. Abercrombie. Oh, man. 
don't even get me started. We hope you guys come back so you can just hear more people talk shit about me <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Bye, y'all.